Hi, I'm Amanda Marquardt, and you're listening to Healing the City Podcast. Because one of the things you talked to me about, or all of us in the last last podcast, was about, you know, bottom up instead of top down. Yeah. Right? And so what we were talking about there is that, you know, from, you know, Freud on up, you know, into, you know, Ellis and Adlerian mm-hmm. psychology and all those kinds, it, it's still, you know, talk therapy or cognitive behavioral yeah. therapy or yeah. some form of that. Yeah. We're dealing with the brain in the sense of a way we rationally think about things. Right. We're dealing with the frontal lobes. Right. Frontal lobes. And nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of those dig a little deeper mm-hmm. at times and are better at what they do than others. Yeah, but. like union psychology is great. Like yeah. with that kind of stuff, yeah. it, it totally skips the frontal lobes. But there again, it's still just sure. focused on one part of the brain. But right. anyways, go ahead. So in regardless, yeah, it's it's been primarily, even if people can come up with exceptions, a top-down model. Oh, yeah, model. for sure. And this trauma therapy is changing this in the sense that it's inviting people to bottom up. It's talking about yeah. how we regulate our bodies before we even begin to think about how we're going to process in yeah. the frontal lobes and all those kinds of things. So that's, I think, a good place for us to start. And mm-hmm. how do I regulate? Mm-hmm. Like, what am I, okay, what am I supposed to do? Like, so let's just talk about, and I think those things apply even if you haven't experienced trauma at all. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. that's yep. wrong. All of us have experienced trauma. Because all of us have experienced stress. Stress, yes. And all of us and have, And that's probably, yes. and, and all of us have experienced deregulation. So, yes. So, like, for, in college, I suffered from massive, massive anxiety attacks to the point mm-hmm. where, like, there were times where I blacked out. Mm-hmm. So, I was in one place on the campus mm-hmm. trying to attempt to do something that I was anxious about. And mm-hmm. I would find myself in another place on the campus. Mm-hmm. Only I had no mm-hmm. rec- uh, remembrance of making those decisions to right. go there. Yeah. Because I was trying to make decisions to go once. So, I was just completely, I don't know how I got there. I don't know who I walked past. Right. I don't even know the route I took. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. Um, so... If you were sitting, like, how would you begin to help somebody like me and the like college student struggling with lots of anxiety to begin to regulate mm-hmm. my body? Yeah, like, yeah. Does- the first step, always, 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 is to begin to pay attention, because whenever we get into so can I pause you? Because yeah. you did say pay attention, and I would love us to maybe think about that yeah. deeply. Yes. Like let's let's explore that. Okay. Like, how do I pay attention okay. to my body? Well, I, I think the first thing to understand is that when you are in whatever position internal source or external source or a little bit of both of overwhelming stress wherever it's coming from because like with the example that you gave um there was some external stuff happening right the situation but there was also a lot of internal stuff that was happening Mm -hmm. and the combination of them caused you to feel overwhelming stress right so we have to cope with that somehow Right. So the same thing as if somebody is, you know, poking you with a hot poker, you have to do something. You do have to do something in order to cope with it. Right. You have three options, really, when it comes down to it. You can leave. You can punch them in the face so they stop. Or maybe you could grab the poker away from them. Some violent action. Some kind of like you're going to make them stop. You're going to turn towards them instead of away from them. Right. Or... You're going to do like what the Buddhist monks do and just numb it out, right? right? That they can like set themselves on fire and not feel it. Right. Right. Which is a dissociative right. They're going to disassociate. kind of act, right? But those are really your three options. Um, when that happens, whether it's internal or external, you're in overwhelm of stress. You're doing that even though it's not physical, right? So the, the same pathways that regulate stress 
and everybody knows the fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And then now we're starting to learn more about the freeze response. So that's a whole other conversation. Those are your stress responses. And it doesn't matter if it's physical stress or emotional stress. They run in the exact same pathways. Do you know, just a little side note on that. Yeah. The Enneagram people have basically broken it down to now they can predict which one you're going to use based on the number oh, you cool. are which is really interesting interesting I'll yeah. look at that more that would be interesting it is interesting yeah but I mean those are like when it comes down to it like those are your three main options although now polyvagal theory is also bringing and some people are starting to call it they call the fawn response that again is a whole nother conversation yeah, it's, it's that, very fascinating that'll be another conversation that, that we should talk that's really interesting but anyways it all basically comes down to you kind of have these like four things, right? right. Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And you have to do one of them. And it doesn't matter what the stress is. Those are your four options. Right. Okay. What frequently happens, though, when you've been through overwhelming stress is that you stop paying attention to your internal experiences because it's too uncomfortable. And for people that have been through stress to the level um, that you've gotten to trauma, it's because the fight, flight, and fawn options were not available or were not adaptive in that situation. Okay. okay? So we go back to like um, the, the child who's being physically or sexually abused. They can't fight the other person if they're five years old getting beaten up by an adult. Right. That's not going to work. They can't run because the person's not going to let them. Right. And fawn is using your social resources. They're not going to be able to talk their way out of it because the other person's drunk or raging or whatever. Right. It's not going to work. So they have one option left and that's the freeze, which yeah. is disassociate. Right. Right. Yeah. So you carry those forward. That means your body begins to be trained when you feel stress. That means something really bad is going on. And that's where you, your body just drives you right through the fawn response, right through the fight, right through the flight, and you just go to freeze very, very quickly. And that has a lot to do with just you're, there's so much focus on the external, hmm. you lose connection with the internal. Okay. Right. So even though you may not be in the physical, emotional or social danger that trains you to go to the freeze response first, you, your body is dysregulated. Your body is trained to go to freeze when your emotional stress level starts to go up. Right. Okay. That's what we mean by dysregulation. Right. Instead of it going up slowly and going through your other available options, it it's, just bams it's not regulated. Right. right. So... You take that into your stressful experience at college. The first thing is to undo the training that got you to the place where you are now dissociating right. walking around campus, not knowing where you're at. Right. So the first step to that is to begin to notice what your experience is. So in that kind of a situation, what I would say is begin to pay attention to anxiety. Right. What does it feel like begin to define what does anxiety feel like for you most of the time people have no idea no. they're like i don't know i don't know okay describe it and they can tell me like what are the thoughts in their head or um you know what happens after they feel anxious but they can never tell me like what does it feel like at the very beginning yes and they can't describe it from a sensory level right right so using no words about what you think or what happens as a result of, describe it when you get anxious. So I bet you can do that now. Yes. So tell us, like, what does it feel like in your body when you get anxious? 
it feels like in my body. Well, I feel my the middle of my chest tighten. Mm-hmm. I, my heart rate goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. And my brain hurts. Like, mm. I can literally feel my head, like, hurting in a way that it doesn't normally. Yeah. Like, not, not like a headache. I can't explain it any other way than it just... It begins to over. I could. It's almost like the computer just has too much information mm. and it's burning up. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and it's overheating. Yeah, overheating. Good. So I hear like uh, these are all sensory words. Yes. Pressure, heat, overload, like all these. These are all right. sensory words. Right. Can you say what it feels like? Because that's kind of like that's that's like right in the moment before you're about to just turn off right. and go wander around campus. Right. What does it feel like at the very beginning? At the very beginning of, yeah, of the anxiety, like when I'm feeling the, all those sensory, almost like what comes right before it gets to that level. Because if you're at that level, and we said uh, on a scale of one to ten, ten being the most anxiety you can feel, and that would mm. maybe be where you disassociate. Where is the experience that you just gave me? Where is that on the scale? Well, that would be like ten. Okay. Because that's when I'm about, like... That's a, when it's about. When it's, okay, so you'd probably me. be like an eight or a nine. Because it's just associated. Yeah. When you're fully disassociated, that's when we say you're yeah, at a ten. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, eight. So you're at an eight or a nine. Mm. The other then, well, then it'd be low grade. Yeah. A low grade version of all those things okay. are progressively happening. And I'm thinking back because, you know, I, over the years, I mean, even like in our church, mm-hmm. the hot seat model is mm-hmm. designed mm-hmm. based on a lot of these concepts mm-hmm. to deal with my own anxiety yeah right so i yeah <laughs> i used these what i knew and learned to deal with that mm-hmm. but yeah so though all those things slowly developing maybe even over a week mm-hmm. you know oh because you were anticipating what you knew what was gonna come. yes okay it's usually anxiety built around the two for me and I, this was you know it's not i don't have this as much anymore um but over my lifetime, it had two things. Total surprise, so I think I'm doing really well. Mm-hmm. And so it hits me like out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and then I'll have a, the exact same experience mm-hmm. of which I will be more the like, I'm going to run away. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, and I'm going to just take off. Yeah. Um, and and I will, you know, I may not fully black out, but I'm going to make a ton of choices I don't really remember making. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other one is there's something that I have to do that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. That's going to involve exposure. So it produces or, or, or I'm going to look like I don't know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. because I don't. Mm-hmm. But I, and I need help. Mm-hmm. So and, and we could, you know, we want to do therapy. We can link that back to a whole bunch of other things. Yeah, right, right, right. But it's then a slow progression of all those experiences mm-hmm. to the moment I get closer and closer to the event of exposure. Mm-hmm. And then I. It starts to go up a little bit. Yeah. And then it, then it'll just right, hit. It, right the point where right right so it's a slow progression like you can link it to a slow progression yes, so I if can. you were to come in and say okay we're going to work on this and you've done your work on it but it, oh, you know if this i'm well, sure this might be helpful enough, a little right? bit to me yeah right? nobody has ever fully done their work that's true no i have not either <laughs> that's for darn sure so uh, the first thing that i would have you do is because you have these two different profiles of like there's one that starts really really slowly and there's another that just it it's the same process but it happens at lightning speed right. the first thing is to begin to do like what i call stretch it out that we have to take the moment of <laughs> trigger 
no to the antecedent right whatever event it is whether it's an internal experience of having a thought or if it's an external you know experience and we have to slow down the response time and the way you do that is awareness right it's again it's moving from having all of your focus external to bringing some of it internal right okay Um, and that's what allows you to then stop paying attention to the thing in the environment that is like giving you this response internally and begin to turn some of your attention to the inside so you can notice what's happening and respond to it while your frontal lobes are still online right you Mm -hmm. can respond to it with your logic because we know that as the emotional drive goes up and up and up and the anxiety level gets up and up and up your frontal lobes your ability for rational thought and conscious choice starts to turn off right so when you get to a four five six like you you're really limiting your ability to choose and when you get up past like a six like you're you're basal reptilian mammalian brain has now taken over and you are no longer in the driver's seat right so we want to stretch it out and the way you stretch it out is with awareness right right begin to say and and to try to catch it earlier so we would start with that slower experience Hmm. and we can say okay what kinds of um, events are you likely to experience this kind of response in. That's awareness number one. What does it feel like for you? What are the signs in your body that you need to take your attention off the external and begin to bring it internally and pay attention to what's happening there? Once your attention is there and you're noticing what's happening, what can you do in response to it? Because if we can catch you at like a three or a four and begin to bring the anxiety down from there, that's a lot easier than if you're at a seven or an eight, right? right? And then once you have that in that slower experience, then you can bring those skills over into the experiences where it's faster. Right. 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 And it also, when you stretch it out like that for me, let's say I'm your client in the office, Mm -hmm. you're helping me when I experience it again. Yeah. Like you're giving me the ability to put like a pin in -hmm. an earlier place. Yes. And I, I think that like... It's mind blowing, I think, for most people because I don't think we live a life of self awareness no. like that. Yeah, and in particular in stress oriented mm-hmm. experiences, mm-hmm. our brain does not want us to think this way. Mm-mm. No, because it has to scan the external environment to see if you're in danger. Exactly. It needs. I mean, because that's like with the stress response, it's really all about resource allocation. Who gets the energy sure right and Mm -hmm. so if we're trying to make sure that we're not in danger we have to put all of our energy into scanning with our eyes with our ears with our nose with every sense that is available to gather information so that our brain can decode are we in danger where is coming from and how are we going to respond so there's no energy left for your frontal lobes right because we don't need to you know write a play or have a deep philosophical conversation if somebody's coming at you with a gun. Exactly. <laughs> we're not writing plays. No, we're not doing that. Right. Right. But so you have to understand that your brain responds, the stress response, survival instinct responds if you are a seven-year-old on the playground getting bullied and excluded in the same way as if you're an adult who's being threatened with a weapon in a dark alley. Right. Right. So maybe maybe the the um, level that you're at might be a little different. Right. Right. So maybe the, the kid getting bullied might be at like a six or a seven where if you're in the dark alley you're at like an eight or a nine. But the same pathways light up. It's the same mechanism in the brain. Yeah. 
So that's important to know. And most people don't know that. So let's, because uh, we could. Uh, like, I know. We're going to talk forever and ever, man. I think this is so helpful. This is what I was hoping for because I really like want to get into the meat of things because mm-hmm. I so want people to be able to even begin to have a sense of like, oh, like there is some freedom here. And yeah. even, you know, like, yes, if I have had major trauma, I need to go into trauma therapy Mm -hmm. but i also just as somebody wandering around in life trying to make life work Mm -hmm. and do it have stressful things that are Mm -hmm. that are that tip can tip my cup over Mm -hmm. or have a small cup and this kinds of things can help me yeah no i would be really kind of as we sort of end here Mm -hmm. and i this kind of where i always want to go is okay so we're talking about this this uh dysregulation and being regulated Mm -hmm. how do you think as you become aware of things does the Holy Spirit work alongside all of this? Mm. Because these are very, like we're talking about two streams. We're talking Mm -hmm. about our brain Mm -hmm. and we're talking about our rational capacity Mm -hmm. when we can analyze Mm -hmm. our experience. Mm -hmm. But where does the Holy Spirit fit in the moment and Mm -hmm. then in that conversation where we're trying to stretch the event out? Where does Jesus? Yeah, yeah. I think the first thing is, uh, I think especially for Christians, like we have this weird thing against science and against the body yes that i don't fully understand well it, it comes historically from from early in our yes thank you pastor yeah. thank you right because it, it it it's true like it comes from actually like it's our very, traumatization yeah, very platonic yes where it was like science against faith yeah. and i think that we are in a place now where we're starting to see that the two really are one because yes. this is god's creation and science is a way to understand his creation yes. And so we are not against our bodies. You know, I was talking to my sister last night and we were talking about like the aging process and how like internally I'm like, um, I don't feel like I'm almost 40. And she's like, oh my God, I'm already in my 40s and I don't feel like I'm 40 either. Like what's up with that? And she gave me this great thought that uh, I think came from C.S. Lewis that we are irreconciled to time. We were not created to be bound by time and yet we are now. Right. And so there is a tension that will always remain in that. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I think that that comes into play with our bodies in that we were not we were not intended to be bound by our bodies in the way that we currently are. And we see that from in scripture, like after the fall, that now they are now subject to disease and death in a way that they weren't before the fall. Yes. And so we are now subject to our bodies. So we think we have to embrace that and just recognize the fact that that is um, a part of who we are and it is a part of God's creation and it is broken and it's something that he wants to redeem, right? But the kingdom has not yet come. And so I think the way that we, we show up in this in kingdom living is by embracing and acknowledging the fact that, yes, we are living in broken bodies and broken vessels. And if you stop fighting it and instead you nurture it and you care for it and you just offer the brokenness to Jesus and allow him to sit with you in the sadness and the sorrow of that. But we don't want to do that. Right. No. So like I frequently will sit with people and, and get them to the core identity you know, like I, w- I was sitting with, with some clients and, and we dug down through all this stuff and they said, you know, I don't want to regulate this stuff. I don't want to stop yelling and screaming because underneath it all, I know that I'm really broken. Hmm. My core identity is that wow. I'm broken. That's that's a major insight. Yeah, it was really good insight. And so I said, you know what? You are. 
you are. And if you can learn how to sit with that, you're going to be in a much better place than if you try to fight it. Hmm. She said, you know what? Nobody has ever said that to me before. Anytime I've ever told somebody that, a counselor or a friend or anybody, they say, you're not broken, you're not broken, you're not broken, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, and you just have to believe that. But it's not the truth. Hmm. Wow. They are, we are broken. broken. We are broken, but that doesn't mean we're worthless. Right. And it doesn't mean we're unredeemable. Right. I think we should end there. All right. That was beautiful. You've been listening to Healing the City podcast with Eric Seepin. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.